If you've been feeling a little out of sorts lately, bloated, crampy, over-emotional, it may be because it's that time of the month when we visit our favorite website, Everyday Feminism. Here at The Andrew Claven Show, we love Everyday Feminism. It gives us a day off from writing creative, hilarious satire that underscores the absurdity of leftists because all we have to do is read what's on the site out loud. There are a couple of wonderful pieces up on everyday feminism right now. For instance, here's one about a woman who is pregnant with a baby girl. It's called Eight Things I'll Do to Raise a Fat Positive Kid. You see, feminists believe that girls feel too much pressure to be physically attractive so that they'll be healthy and have a positive sense of themselves and appeal to the visual instincts of a man who might then get to know and love them and help them have a happy and fulfilling life. Instead, feminists feel a girl needs to learn to be fat positive so that she won't become shallow and insecure, but will simply have a heart attack and die. So this expectant mother on everyday feminism has listed her ideas on how she can raise a fat positive daughter, for instance, by displaying fat positive artwork, introducing her daughter to fat positive role models, and giving She's killing me, this woman. <laughs> and, and giving her daughter, ah, and giving her daughter a defibrillator. <laughs> All right, get her in here. Get that girl in here. And giving her daughter a defibrillator so she can shock herself back to life after she collapses on the floor. Girls need to learn that being fat positive is much easier than developing self-discipline and eating well, which is annoying and involves less cake. Another article on everyday feminism is called Five Supposedly Empowering Things We Need to Stop Telling People About Their Periods. Oh, man, this is like setting me back. Uh, this is, we're going to have to have minus days. This is <laughs> All right, what was I talking about? Five supposedly empowering things we need to stop telling people about their periods. Ah, this is an absolutely amazing article because it exists and takes up space that could be used by something more important, like an episode list of all 10 seasons of Happy Days or a video of a German shepherd who can sing like a parakeet. Among the supposedly empowering things we need to stop telling people about their periods are periods make you a woman. The author points out that, quote, trans men get periods and non-binary people get periods. And that doesn't mean that trans men and non-binary people are actually women. Oh, wait, yes, it does. Uh, maybe we should skip over that one. Another thing we need to stop saying about periods is that periods bind women together. <laughs> I have to admit, that is kind of a disgusting image, and maybe we should stop saying it. Although maybe it's already too late since now the image is in my mind forever. <laughs> Finally, the author objects to being told that periods, quote, embody women's ever-changing earthly emotional and intuitive nature, unquote. She says such claims make her absolutely furious, and she just wants to throw things across the room and rip the heads off anyone who even talks to her, although probably that's just because she's having her period. Trigger warning, I'm Andrew Claven, and this, one hopes, is The Andrew Claven Show. <laughs> I feel hunky-dunky, life is tickety-boo. Birds are winging, also singing, hunky-dunky-dee-doo. Ship-shaped, ipsy-topsy, the world is a bitty zing It's a wonderful day, hurrah, hooray! It makes me want to sing. Oh, hurrah, hooray. Oh, hooray, hooray. 
Don't blame me. Blame <laughs> Cynthia, that hippopotamus. I had not seen that in advance, and that just cracked me up beyond repair. Oh my goodness! I'm just—I'm not even going to read these things anymore. I'm just going to like have the pictures go up. <laughs> Anyway, anyway, how, how do I get from there into the topic of terrorism? I'm not sure, but I guess I guess we have to. We have to talk about the terrorism in London. Uh, all right. It's, it's like the hippopotamus in the room. We have to talk about it. Um, all right. Let's let, let us go to Theresa May. This is Theresa May after this terrorist attack. I think the body count is now five people, uh, 40 and 40 people were injured. And the injuries are catastrophic. Here is Theresa May uh, talking to the press. The location of this attack was no accident. The terrorists chose to strike at the heart of our capital city, where people of all nationalities, religions and cultures come together to celebrate the values of liberty, democracy and freedom of speech. These streets of Westminster, home to the world's oldest parliament, are ingrained with a spirit of freedom that echoes in some of the furthest corners of the globe and the values our Parliament represents. Democracy, freedom, human rights, the rule of law, command the admiration and respect of free people everywhere. That is why it is a target for those who reject those values. But let me make it clear today, as I have had cause to do before, any attempt to defeat those values through violence and terror is doomed to failure. Well, okay. I love Prime Minister Theresa May, and I hope that she is absolutely right. But I have to say, you know, people are reporting from London, uh, where I'll actually be in a couple of weeks, people are reporting that there's just an atmosphere, not of anger, but of resignation. And, you know, part of that may be the British stick that got them through the Blitz. You know, somebody put a sign up on the, uh, in the tube, the, their subway system saying, you know, we're just going to drink our tea and keep on keeping on like the British do. But, you know, the mayor of London, who is a Muslim, the first Muslim mayor of London, said, you know, well, terror attacks are just part and parcel of living in a big city. And Donald Trump Jr. got slammed by the New York Times for <laughs> tweeting out, are you kidding me? Are you, you know, how, do, how does that happen? You know, I had a cat when I was a young man, and we lived in a tiny little apartment, and so we didn't have a dog, but we had this lovely cat, and uh, it, we lived in New York City, and we didn't know anything about living in New York City, and one day there was a roach, and the cat attacked the roach and ate the roach. I thought, well, good thing. I like this cat, you know. And then the next day, of course, there were two roaches, and the cat attacked the two roaches and killed them. And then within about three to four days, the place was swarming with roaches. If you know anything about roaches, that's what happens. And the cat just sat there because she was defeated. She had given up. You know, there were too many, and it was just too much, and there was nothing she could do. And if it sounds like I'm comparing Islamists uh, to cockroaches, I'd like, you know, to apologize to all the patriotic, uh, hardworking cockroach Americans uh, who just want to go about the business of infesting apart apartments and live their life in the uh, in the insect, the, the insects of peace. But, you know, this is the problem. This is the problem As you get a you get inured to it, you know, you get hardened to it. 
But, but B, also, when your leaders will not accept the reality of what is happening, what we are seeing here is the legacy of a philosophy, okay? And it's not just the philosophy of radical Islam. It is the philosophy of Barack Obama and the rest of the left that somehow opening your doors wide, spreading your doors wide without any check on people coming in. You know, listen to what Theresa May was saying. She was talking about, they love to use the word diversity. Now everybody has to use the word diversity, but she wasn't talking about diversity. She was talking about what makes us the same. What makes us the same? You know, this is what the whole country is about. E pluribus unum, of the many, out of the many, we make one. How do you do that? You do it by ascribing to an idea. That idea includes the equality of people under the law, the freedom of individuals to act and do and think and say whatever they want to say. You know, there are people now trying on trying to get Facebook to limit blasphemy. You know, the, the Western culture was built on the shoulders of two people, right? Socrates and Jesus, right? Two people, both of whom were killed by the state on charges, essentially, of blasphemy. We don't do that stuff anymore, you know? <laughs> it's like that's, it took us thousands of years to learn the lesson of that, but we have, and we don't have, uh, you know, a, laws against blasphemy. We don't have laws that limit who women can be or what they should wear or what they should say or think. And we can't have people around who want that to turn our country into that, you know. And it is about, it's all about philosophy. Who thought it was a good idea? Who thought it was a good idea to open the doors of the West to people who hate the West en masse, you know? Guys like Barack... It, it really stuns me that everybody is so shocked by Donald Trump. And Donald Trump is a character, and I get it. He's this outsized dude. We've never had a president like him. I get it. I get it. But if you want to talk about bizarre, you want to talk about bizarre, the philosophy of our last president was so much more bizarre than anything Donald Trump thinks. In a way, Donald Trump isn't original and creative enough to be bizarre. He's actually just in the very, in a certain mode of, Amer of populist Americanism. But Obama... And the people who followed him and the people who believed what he said, that was bizarre. And the legacy of, the, and we are living with that legacy now. Yesterday, I mentioned this rape in Rockville, Maryland, this horrible, horrible rape of a 14-year-old girl in, the, in her high school, in, you know, in, by two grown men, essentially. She was 14. They were 17 and 18. I think they dragged her into the, uh, the boys' room and just brutalized her, brutalized her. One of them here illegally. This is not being covered. Yesterday, I had an instinct it wasn't being covered, and I couldn't quite check it out. I couldn't quite get the facts. But now I've got newsbusters backing this up. The big three networks of ABC, CBS, and NBC continued their shameful blackout into Wednesday night of the horrifying alleged rape of a teenage girl in a Washington, D.C. suburb high school bathroom by two men, including one here in the U.S. illegally. Instead, the pathetic liberal media that's shown no interest in the Rockville High School case complied with Rolling Stone and giving over 10 minutes of coverage to two days in two days to the fake 2014 claim that a University of Virginia fraternity gang raped a female student. You probably remember that. This was this Rolling Stone thing they had to take back. So just listen to this one. Mar Martha McCallum on Fox had this mom. There was a big meeting. They closed it to the press because the parents obviously were going out of their mind. Maryland is, pa is trying to pass the sanctuary law that this and they don't like this narrative, right? So they won't let anybody near the press. So, and, and this town, by the way, is a, a kind of a progressive town. It's not like a, a backward town or anything like this. Or I shouldn't say backward. It's not like a conservative, intelligent town, <laughs> responsible town. It's a progressive. And here is a mom talking 
to uh, Martha McCallum and hear what she's thrilled about that the government governor said. Well, it's amazing. Over the last couple of days, as all of us parents have found out more details about what's happened, we've all been just absolutely shocked because we need to know how this happened, but not to place blame on the school system or anyone else. We can do that later. We want to make sure that we know how to prevent these situations in the future. Our governor came out today and he used very strong words. He used the words that I need to hear and so many of the parents here need to. If you look behind me and you see these parents here in this parking lot here, Governor Hogan used the words that I want to hear, not the washed down language that we heard from the last administration and what did placing he say? the blame weirdest. He used the word illegal immigrants. He wanted to know why these men were here with our children. She wants the truth. She wants people to speak the truth. We had a president for eight years who wouldn't say Islam in connection with terrorism, as if as if that it, terrorism were just some sort of general thing that fell out of the air. Who keep, kept saying, who kept saying, no religion uh, sanctions the death of the murder of innocents. Who says? Who says there have been plenty of religions that sanctioned the death of immigrants and Islam establishes itself as, an, uh, as a religion of conquest from the very beginning. Here's this woman. All she wants is to hear somebody say the damn words. Why? Because once you say the words, there's nowhere to hide. Once you say the words, once you say the words, then it becomes clear how bizarre this philosophy is. This philosophy of not that somehow we can lie reality into submission. Somehow, if we say that all cultures are the same, all cultures will be the same. Somehow, if we say that these are undocumented workers, I mean, they're undocumented because they're illegal. That's why. That's why. You know, somehow it's not a lot. It's not, it's not that they're all bad people. It's that they've all done an illegal thing and we have the right to our laws and to our, enforce our laws to protect ourselves. You, you know, it, it is why, it is why some of us, even, even though, listen, I, I really have loved what Donald Trump has been doing since he took office. And I'm not, I don't pick him apart if he goes this way and that, you know, some small thing that I don't like or this isn't good enough or whatever. I like the fact that he is moving in the right direction. It's like, you know, Jesus said, if your feet are clean, then you are clean. <laughs> and, that meant, and to me, that means if you're tra walking in the right direction, you're doing the right thing. But, but it is why some of us, even now, even with Trump doing a good job that we like and approve of, it is why some of us see a moral hazard in his loose talk and in the way it undermines the truth, you know? And, and I'm not picking on him about this because I think he is largely, you know, a lot of times I understand what he's trying to say, but he, he talks like a guy at the water cooler and now he's president. You know, now he's the president of the United States. So what he says is news and he's got to learn to be very specific. So here's this new thing that comes up yesterday. Really interesting story. Devin Nunes, the chairman of the House Intelligence Committee, the Republican chairman, breaks the story that in fact he feels now that there was some surveillance of Trump even though it was legal surveillance and Trump was caught up in the surveillance of other people. In other words, there was no wiretap on Trump, as Trump sort of said. Other people were wiretapped, and he was caught up in it. Here's Nunes. So first, I recently confirmed that on numerous occasions, the intelligence community incidentally collected information about U.S. citizens involved in the Trump transition. Details about U.S. persons associated with the incoming administration, details with little or no apparent foreign intelligence value, 
were widely disseminated in intelligence community reporting. Third, I have confirmed that additional names of Trump transition team members were unmasked. And fourth and finally, I want to be clear, none of this surveillance was related to Russia or the investigation of Russian activities or of the Trump team. The House Intelligence Committee will thoroughly investigate surveillance and its subsequent dissemination to determine a few things here that I want to read off. Who was aware of it? Why it was not disclosed to Congress? Who requested and authorized the additional unmasking? Whether anyone directed the intelligence community to focus on Trump associates? And whether any laws, regulations, or procedures were violated? All right, we're going to talk some more about this, but I've got to say goodbye to our friends on Facebook and YouTube. Come on over to thedailywire.com. You can hear the whole thing. And if you subscribe for a lousy eight bucks a month, you could watch the whole thing right there on the wire. You wouldn't have to bounce around like this. And uh, if you subscribe for the year, we will send you Michael Knowles' book, Reasons to Vote for Democrats, a completely blank book. And uh, if we run out, we'll just send you paper, you know. But <laughs> and it's, what is it, number nine you said on Amazon? Yeah. It was number one. This is incredible. This is this is one of the trolls of the decade now. I mean, it is, you know, Knowles is like a king troll. He's like he could hide under a bridge and kill billy goats or something. All right, come on over to thedailywire.com. So just to hear a little bit more from Nunez about, is it, it's Nunez, is it Nunez or Nunez? Nunez, okay, Nunez, to hear a little bit more uh, from Nunez about when this happened. Listen carefully to this, because it's important. This is when he feels this surveillance was being done. I believe it was all done legally. Um, I think it was all obtained legally. I think the question is, is uh, was it, was it masked, uh, you know, why was it unmasked if it was unmasked? Because it appears like we have new information about additional unmaskings. And then who was on the dissemination list? And why was the dissemination list so far if it was such specific information about the Trump transition? And it appears, and just to give you one piece of information I think is, might be helpful, it appears most of this occurred from what I've seen in November, December, and January. So he's talking about during, after the election, after Obama knew that this guy was going to come in here and try and uh, destroy what he thinks of as his legacy, which I think, I think his legacy is being played out in London today and in Rockville, Maryland, and in a lot of other places. But Obama thinks his legacy is joy and sunshine. And so he was afraid that Trump was going to come in and kill the unicorns. So, you know, obviously the Trump partisans have been screaming, ah, Trump was right when he tweeted, I was wiretapped, and Trump is justified. And, and Trump was a little bit more restrained, actually. They asked him at one of a meeting, somebody shouted the question, uh, are you, do you feel justified? Here's what he said. I somewhat do. I must tell you, I somewhat do. I very much appreciated the fact that uh, uh, they found what they found. I will, uh, I'll tell you who is justified, me. I was justified. Listening to the show, when you listen to the show, you are like listening to the future. This show is where the future comes to rehearse because I've been telling you that it's not that anybody was illegally wiretapped as, as really Trump was kind of indicating. And, you know, it's, it's no fair. Now the guy's the president. He's not me. He can't just say something around the water cooler. Now he's the president. When he says something, especially if he's accusing a former president of uh, felony, he's got to get it right. But 
it is true that this is the, you know, the meddlesome priest rule. I'm always talking about the meddlesome priest rule is Henry II, when he appointed Becket to be Archbishop of Canterbury, thought he was appointing a friend, but Arch, the, uh, Becket opposed him. And one day Henry II said within the hearing of his, you know, his uh, attendants, he said, who will rid me of this meddlesome priest? And they went out and killed him. Well, you know, that's not exactly giving the order to kill him, but it's as close as you could get. And that's the way Obama operated. Let me read to you. A Dan Henninger has a great, great column today, and it's it's talking about what we virtually know happened. I mean, this is pretty much what we know. <laughs> it's, it's worth hearing a couple of graphs of this. The details of a March 1 New York Times story deserve to be repeated with as much manic intensity as news sites report the repudiation of Donald Trump's claim that Mr. Obama wiretapped Trump Tower. Well, he didn't, but Mr. Obama did plenty else. This is the lead sentence in that Times story. In the Obama administration's last days, some White House officials scrambled to spread information about Russian efforts to undermine the presidential election and about possible contacts between associates of President-elect Donald J. Trump and Russians across the government. That's the Times. This is back to, oh, and then, and th this is what they did. This is what the Obama officials did. According to the New York Times, at intelligence agencies, there was a push to process as much raw intelligence as possible into analyses and to keep the reports at a relatively low classification level to ensure as wide a readership as possible across the government and in some cases among European allies. Earlier, on January 12th, the Times also reported that Attorney General Loretta Lynch signed rules that let the National Security Agency disseminate raw signals intelligence information to 16 other intelligence agencies. This is Henninger. That is, the Obama administration put in motion the tsunami of anonymously attributed stories that is engulfing and disabling America's government today. This, too, like the bombings in London, like the rape in Rockville, this, too, is Obama's legacy. This is what he did. And yes, does Donald Trump deserve a slap in the kisser for, you know, going off the reservation and not saying things exactly right? Yes, he does. But that is not the problem. The problem is this Obama did this on purpose. He let got this information when it was raw. He made sure enough people got it so that somebody's name would be unmasked. It's the meddlesome priest rule. He didn't have to say, go tap the you know Trump's phones. He just had to make it known what he needed done, and it was done. And, and this is, by the way, this is how CNN reported the, the big news yesterday. CNN has learned new details of the FBI investigation into potential links between individuals associated with the Trump campaign and the Russian government. CNN's Pamela Brown and Evan Perez join us now. They broke the story along with our justice reporter, uh, Shimon Prokupes. Pam, first, what are you learning? Well, Anderson, the FBI has information that indicates associates of President Donald Trump communicated with suspected Russian operatives to possibly coordinate the release of information damaging to Hillary Clinton's campaign, uh, U.S. officials told us. That is a complete non-story. That story doesn't exist. That's an indicates possible somebody maybe kind of sort of Russian officials. You know, it has the word Russian in it, so everybody has to sit up straight. This is coming from this guy, Adam Schiff, who's also on the House Intel Committee. He's the Democrat. He is a McCarthyite. He, Adam Schiff is a McCarthyite. When I say that, Joe McCarthy, you know, was a uh, an anti-communist uh, demagogue. And people, including my friend Ann Coulter, sometimes hold him up and say, well, there were communists in the 
in the government, and there were communists in the government, but Joe McCarthy made it harder to fight them by lying and by building himself up and all this stuff. And one of the things he used to do is say, I'm holding an envelope in my hand with the names of 50 people in the State Department who are, you know, communists or whatever he would say. You know, he would just hold the envelope up. That is what Adam Schiff has been doing with this Russian garbage. Here's a cut of him on uh, Chuck Todd's show doing what he does. I can't go into the particulars, but there is more than circumstantial evidence now. So, um, again, I think... So you Director have Clapper, seen direct evidence of collusion? Uh, I don't want to go into specifics, but I will say that there is evidence that is not circumstantial uh, and, uh, and is very much worthy of investigation. So uh, that is what we ought to do. Uh, you know... I'm holding in my hand, you know, evidence of collusion and all this stuff. And this, this is really is wrong. And I, I think, look, what Nunez did was questionable in some, in some ways because he hasn't released the information. But he is indicating his indications are a lot more specific and I suspect will get more specific. He is going, he's moving in a certain direction. If he doesn't, if he doesn't have anything, if he doesn't have the goods, then he's being just as bad as Schiff. But I don't believe that. I've watched the guy. I just don't believe he's doing the same thing. Schiff it will say anything. And what he does, he says enough stuff, enough stuff that sounds bad, you know, evidence of collusion, evidence of this. We suspect this is re really after all these people, uh, including the head of the, the NSA, said there was no evidence. They've been investigating this since July. You know, this basically kind of a civil war on the Intelligence Committee. One of them is, is bringing out information that may justify Trump, and this guy's bringing out what he says is information that may vilify Trump. But it's all, it's all spy versus spy kind of stuff in our government. And what I'm saying is it's on us now. It is on us now to seek the truth, to not immediately scream, ah, oh, yes, Trump was justified, to not immediately scream, ah, oh, Trump was in, you know, in a, is a Russian spy. It, it is on us now to seek the truth and to hold these guys responsible. If they have lost the narrative of truth, because that's also Obama's legacy, not believing in the truth anymore. If they have lost it, we have to keep it. We have to keep it. And we have to hold them to it because otherwise, otherwise, it's just this. It's just this stuff. People shouting at each other and screaming, I was right and, I, and you were wrong and all this stuff. All right. I want to move on to something that is connected but not quite the same. And that is, this is a story that caught my eye, I probably caught a lot of people's eye. A transgender weightlifter from New Zealand has sparked controversy after winning a women's competition on Sunday. In other words, a, a man who thinks he's a woman entered a weightlifting competition and beat the women. You know, this is the first time ever, first time ever I ever used the expression, I can't even. You know, <laughs> I looked at this and I thought, I can't even. And the reason I say this is the same kind of thing is because we are being asked again and, you know, to, to lie. And, and I, I have absolutely no animosity toward people who feel uncomfortable in their bodies and with their gender. I really do not. I think that must be a horrible, horrible thing. And I'm thoroughly willing to concede it may have some physical, you know, maybe it's a hormonal, maybe the brain is shaped differently. I, I have no idea why someone who is a man would think he's a woman. And I understand that that is, a, it, I'll call it a condition. I'll call it a condition. It simply does not make you a woman. It, you know, there's no but after this stuff. There's no but after Islam is involved in terrorism. There's no but after, you know, an illegal immigrant and, or this person. This is the thing. The truth is the truth. And we can, have, we can have all kinds of disagreements about the truth. We can have all kinds of disagreements once the facts are established. I would love to hear debates about, for instance, 
is terrorism inherent in Islam or is it a cancer on Islam? That's a fair debate. You know, as long as we don't say, as Hillary Clinton did, oh, Islam has absolutely nothing. You know, it's the lies that kill us. It's the lies that are death. And it's the lies that, you know, for, for every transgender guy who's stealing these trophies from these women, there are girls out there who have entered the weightlifting sport you know, who are getting robbed. They're getting robbed. And these people, you know, you know how dedicated you have to be to be an athlete and they're getting robbed. And so it's not just people being robbed of their life, not just people being robbed of their sexual freedom by getting raped. It's people being robbed of their accomplishment all because of lies. You know, there's this whole thing going around about white privilege and sometimes it's white male privilege. And every time you open your mouth, it's like, oh, there's white, it's white. You just think that because of white male privilege. And, and I've heard Ben say, you know, there's no such thing as white male privileges. But I'm only going to disagree with him a little bit on this. Or I, I just see it a little differently. Here's, here is what the privilege of a white male is. Because we are accused of everything, because we are the villain of the left-wing narrative, we are the only people left who can't blame our problems on other people, okay? So we live in a... That's closer to the truth because your problems aren't the result of other people. Unless you've been raped or attacked or murdered or really oppressed, your problems aren't the problems of other people. Your problems are your problems, the decisions you make, responsibilities you haven't taken. That's for most people in America. That is the problem. You know, a little effort that you didn't put in, all these things. Only white men in, under the left-wing regime of intelligence and information that we live under, only white men don't have that rep. Refuge, And so they have to take responsibilities for themselves. A lot of them are failing to do that. A lot of them are turning to drugs, turning to unemployment, you know, picking up uh, unemployment checks and all that stuff. But those white men who take advantage of their privilege of not being able to blame other people will, do, will thrive. I mean, they will thrive. That's why, that's why white men are at the top of the uh, ladder. But in the middle, you start to, they start to lose, they're starting to lose their hold on economic security. It is a privilege. It is a privilege to not be told that your faults and your troubles are have someone else to blame. Anyway, I just I just have to say I look at this system and I and I do not believe right now I don't believe that the moral hazard of, of Donald Trump is so great that we should you know turn away from the wonderful things I think he is is doing. But I do think we should remember that we have had eight years of lies, eight years of a bizarre philosophy that sees a world that is one thing and calls it another, that believes that there is power and virtue and goodness in calling things not what they are and saying things are not what they are. And that that is a bizarre world that we're coming out of and we shouldn't go into our own world we shouldn't take on that philosophy as our own if we don't stand for the truth no one will that's that's the bottom line all right well the vote on the health care bill is coming up and it's, and it's the clavenless weekend so god only knows what will happen uh but we will be back those who survive the clavenless weekend can come back here and find us again on monday and we will be talking again i want to end with gee i want to make sure i've got his jamie cullum this guy is great we've never played him before have we jamie cullum he is a really good singer and he's singing a song that is it hasn't i don't think it's come out yet you can get it on spotify but you can't uh, get you it's not on YouTube yet. He's got a new album coming out, Jamie Cullum. And it's great advice. Great advice. I leave you with this advice for the Clavenless Weekend. Live your life as a work of art. Here's Jamie Cullum. I'll see you again on Monday if you survive.
sunshine in my veins That's never gonna be contained That sounds like paradise to me You're gonna find the loving that you need. I wanna live. 